Welcome back to The Compass, the podcast ministry of Calvary Baptist Church of Fayetteville, Arkansas. We're thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue studying God's Word together. Now, in today's podcast, I have the privilege of sharing from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, as we continue the series Reset, as we look at 2023 and those things that we might need to change about our attitude. So far, we've looked at resetting our attitude towards the Word, towards our worship, towards our wealth, and to, on today's final episode of our series, I have the privilege of talking about our witness. You know, you may be looking for a church, a place to connect with other believers. We would love to have you join us at Calvary Baptist Church of Fayetteville, Arkansas. We're located at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville. If you're looking for information, you can find that at calvaryfayetteville.com. You can email us at info at calvaryfayetteville.com or call us at 479-442-4634. Well, again, it's my privilege to share from God's Word, so let's listen together. Let me invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 13 through 17 as we spend some time thinking about resetting our attitudes towards our witness. So 1 Peter 3, verses 13 through 17, and we'll be looking at that in just a moment. What does it mean to reset our witness? Now, over the past month, Pastor Kirk has been helping us understand the reset that we may need in our lives. He stepped us through several things on the first week. We talked about resetting our attitude towards God's Word. We know that God's Word is alive, it's real, it's powerful. We know that we need to have a strong understanding of what it is and how it works. Again, uh, this past month, Pastor Kirk started our series by looking at our attitudes towards the Word. The truth is that we need to have a great understanding of the Word. We need to consume the Word in large quantities. I don't mean like the way I eat pizza or donuts. I'm talking about consuming and taking in God's Word, reading, studying, meditating on it, learning from others, growing in that understanding so that we can be what God wants us to be. We need to understand that this book is not the optional book of Christianity. This is Christ that we get to carry and learn about from Genesis to Revelation. And so we need to grow in that. And hopefully you have picked out a reading plan. Hopefully you have spent some time thinking about how am I going to approach my reading of God's Word. I'm really enjoying it. I'm reading with a group of guys in my life group. Uh, we're going through the Bible recap, and we're reading chronologically through the Bible. Today, I just finished our second book of the Bible. We have finished Genesis, and we have finished Job. Um, and so that's exciting. And hopefully, you are making sure that God's Word is a priority in your life. Now, Pastor Kirk also talked to us about resetting our attitudes to, toward worship. So we talked about personal worship, what that is for us individually and how we worship God and how we make Him a priority in our life and, and what that should look like. And then we, we talked about corporate worship or the gathered worship and how valuable and important that is to us as believers. And it is. It's incredibly valuable. What do we gain when we come together as a body of believers? Well, we gain encouragement, we gain strength, we gain exhortation, we gain knowledge, all of these things. And we grow in that. It's very, 
important as we move forward. So we talked about personal worship and then the gathered worship. Then last week, Pastor Kirk, in his own words, said, I'm going to step on some toes. And he talked to us about our attitude and our resetting our attitude towards our wealth. Now, if you'll notice, they all have W's. And today we're going to stay on track with that. This is the fifth W that we'll be looking at, fifth week. But we're going to be talking about our witness. Last week, when we talked about wealth, we realized that it all belongs to God. Every single bit of it. And we want to honor Him with all that we have. We do that when we give to the church, when we give of our tithes and offerings. When we just give of ourselves, it all belongs to Him. So today, we're going to dive into our witness. Now, the question that immediately probably arises in your mind, is this just going to be another call to obey the Great Commission? Is Dan just going to get up there and talk about, well, you need to be soul winning? To a degree, yes. There's no way around it. This is always our call. It is our mission as a great commission and a great commandment church. And we're to be about making disciples and growing the kingdom. But I want us to look at it in a little bit different way today. Now, I'm curious, how many of you, by a raise of hands, have ever gone door-to-door soul winning? Now, I'm not talking about inviting people to come to church, but you've gone out, you've knocked on doors with the intention of sharing your faith. Just probably just a handful out here. Because not a lot of us have done that. Back in seminary, we were working with um, the evangelism explosion curriculum. We were learning that. So we had to do that. We went out to the neighborhoods of Jacksonville, Texas. Now, as I was saying, when I went out with our evangelism explosion teams into the, to the wilds of uh, Jacksonville, Texas, we would knock on doors and They were much more receptive. This was the mid to late 90s. We were spending some time there. But during that time, I was actually living in the Dallas Metroplex area. I was serving at Bethel Baptist Church in Dallas. My title and why they ever called a 26-year-old guy to be the minister of church growth, I'm not sure. But that was my title. So I went out on occasion and would go door knocking for salvation's sake to around the neighborhoods there close to Bethel Church. Pastor Kirk is probably well aware of of where Bethel Church is. It's not the best of neighborhoods even back then, but no one would talk to me. I mean, they might even come to the glass door, look at me, and turn around and leave. So what we have to understand is that door-to-door soul winning that's been used for years and years is just not as effective as what you're able to do with your witness. And that's what I want to focus in on today. I love the idea of sharing our faith in any number of ways, but that old pattern of let's go knock on our door and say, have you come to the place where you're in your life where you know if, if you were to die today that you'd go to heaven? And with the follow-up question of you were, you were standing before God and he were say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Those two questions are the key to evangelism explosion. But I'll tell you, our witness is much stronger than just a presentation. And that's what we want to focus in on today as we spend a little bit of time thinking about this. God doesn't need us to just be track dispensers, going around handing out tracks and saying, here you go. But there's a place for that. I'll, I'll, granted, when you are not going to have the opportunity to form a relationship and talk to them, 
But it's so much more than that to be involved in the Great Commission, to be involved in, in thinking about our witness, because that's what we want to spend time with today. How do we stand ready? Could give an answer for the hope that God has called us to. God has called us to be a ready witness in, in answer for the hope that we have received, and that's what we're going to focus in on. So 1 Peter 3, verses 13 through 17, let's look at our text as we look at it together. There the Bible says, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. This is the word of the Lord. Well, today we want to look at five things that we need to embrace from this passage as we prepare our hearts and lives to stand ready to be dispensers of hope in this dark world. Today's song service, as many song services here, we talk about the hope that we have in Christ. Christ is our hope in life and death. The words that we sang today um, um, hit me in an emotional level, and I've shared that before. But knowing that God is our hope, when this world seems dark, when this world seems difficult, when we don't think we can make it, God is there. He is our hope. And so today, I want us to look at five things that we find in this passage, five things that we need to embrace as we reset our attitudes towards our witness. It's not just a duty to be performed. It's not just that thing that we don't want to talk about and we don't want to be reminded of that because some of us are shy and some of us are introverted. But God has called us to be hope bearers, to share the hope that we have received, to give an answer for it when we're asked. We're to share our hope. So the first is this. What do we need to do? We need to be zealous for good and good works. Now, we're, I love the word zealous. It's so descriptive. It just uh, describes our hearts and the ways we feel about things. And to be perfectly honest, our state is full of zealots that are at their prescribed times come together wearing cardinal red and white with wild pigs on them. They chant together, they cheer together, and when our Razorbacks lose, we mourn together, just like we did again yesterday, if you watch the basketball game. God calls us to be zealous, though, zealous about the good and the good that he wants us to be about. The emotion and passion that we feel towards our favorite team or, or maybe that favorite hobby should pale in comparison to the heart that we have for God and his work. If we want to reset our attitude towards our witness, we need to be zealous about God and the things of God. We need to be zealous about the good and the good works. So the question is, how do we get there? How do we embrace that zealous attitude? It starts, of course, by loving God. 
When we talk about being a great commandment church, we talk about embracing Matthew 22, 36 through 40, where Jesus is approached and says, what is the greatest commandment? He says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. But it's that idea of loving God with all our hearts, with all our soul, and with all our mind. That type of love will move us towards zealous hearts, ready to be a witness. When I love something, I talk about it. When I love, well, a few years ago, I said, well, almost 10 years ago, I ran my very first marathon. I was so excited to run this, but it seemed like every time that I got a chance to teach our students or speak from the pulpit, I used running as an illustration. And it just spilled out of that because I had found something that I loved, something that I was excited about, and it connected so well in so many situations. But I had one of my youth leaders go, I think you're talking about running just a little too much. But those things that we love, it pours out of our conversation. When you love your church, when you love God, those things pour out of it. You should be talking about it. I love Miss Jody over there when she talks about her church on Facebook. You'll find a little post that I love my church and I love the people in our church and the way we care for one another. It pours out of that because she loves Calvary Baptist Church. When we're zealous, when we love God, we're going to love the things of God. We're going to be moved towards His work and His way. It is just pours out in our witness. Loving God will move us to loving the things that He loves and the things that He holds important. If we want to have the right mindset towards our witness, we start by loving God. Now, we aren't doing good just because it is good. We are doing good because it honors God and reflects His good nature. It becomes a part of our witness and provides the opportunities to speak truth in spiritual conversations. And as we reset our attitude in regard to our witness, we must be zealous for good and for good works. Now, if we look in verse 14, we see that next thing that we need if we're going to reset our attitudes towards our witness. We need to be brave and to have no fear. There was a period before Temple and I started dating where we were just friends that I was full of fear. Now, here's why. I was afraid of messing up our friendship because there came a point where I had talked with her so often and said, you know, I'm just looking for this type of girl. And then all of a sudden, it was like God opened up my eyes and realized all those things that I wanted, all those things that I'd hoped for, they were right there. But I was still afraid of messing up the friendship. I was afraid of the relationship falling apart. If I took that big step, I was afraid of failure. I knew that if I took the big step and asked her on a date, everything would change. But I was afraid it was going to change for the worse. Now, after nearly 30 years of marriage, she can answer you to find out if she made the right choice back on February 29th of 1992 when we started dating. However, I would have never experienced the wonderful life that I've had if I allowed fear to dictate that portion of my life. I took the big leap, and here we are today, nearly 30 years of marriage. Now, when it comes to having a spiritual conversation and being a witness for the Lord Jesus, we are sometimes afraid. It happens. I know it does. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of ridicule. We're afraid of messing up. 
And there's really just a long list of fears when it comes to our witness. Fears that plague us as we seek to stand for the cause of Christ. However, we must remember that while our fears are real to us, the risks and the dangers that those that Peter was addressing were far greater significance. We may lose some relationships when we follow Christ, but there was a, a real possibility of them losing their livelihood, relationships, and possibly even their life. We need to move beyond our fears and to boldly stand to give an answer when we're called upon. We can't let fear and discomfort stand in our way of giving an answer for the hope that we have. We need to take that big leap and see what God will do in that process. And God even gave us the antidote for the fear that plagues us. In 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7, the Bible says this, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power, love, and self-control. God has given us a spirit of these things to help us, these things overcome fear and allow us to do the good that we've been called to. Love motivates us to share power, gives us the strength to speak, and self-control moves us to the right message. God has given us those things as tools so that we can pull out when we're asked the questions about our faith, about why we believe what we believe. We can answer and we can give the answer for the hope that we have in, in our lives. We, if we want to reset our witness, we must embrace the courage that God gives and have no fear. We may face hard days ahead, but we can do it with his strength. He offers that. He provides that. And he wants us to embrace it. Number three, we find in verse 15. And it's really kind of at the heart of, of what I want us to look at today. There it says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. We need to be ready with an answer for your hope for our hope we need to stand ready to give that answer god has called us to be ready for an answer for the hope that he's given us i'm often perplexed by those that cannot give a reason for why they love god well why do you love god because why do you go to church it's what i need to do we we need to be ready to give a good answer. An answer that makes sense and is logical, that is based in Scripture. We give a reason because of, of how God has worked in our life and given a reason for the hope that He has given us. We should know the basics of the gospel so that we can easily answer those people and see the difference in our lives. Now, then there will come the harder questions that people will ask. <coughs> How do you emotionally survive the loss of a loved one? How have you managed to stay married for so many years? Where do you turn when you don't think you can go on? Those are questions people will ask, and there may be more. But understand that we need to be able to give an answer. 
for the hope that we have. Scripture is here to give us answers to prepare us for ministry, not for Bible trivia night. God gives us and gives His Word, or saves us and gives us His Word, so that we can be equipped for the hard things in this life. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And that's often where we stop. Those are important words. But we fail to go on to verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works which God prepared him beforehand so that we should walk in them. God saves us, not just for a relationship. We are saved for the good works, for the witness, for the impact that we can have on this world, and he wants to use us in those situations. We're saved to stand and to give an answer for the hope that we have. 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 tells us very much the same thing. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Again, the Word of God is there for us to know it, to embrace it, to learn it, to be corrected by it, so that we can do God's work in this world. God's Word is what provides us with the ability to stand and give an answer for the hope that we have. We have been given the word to equip us for the good work. The question is, have we taken the steps to know it? I'd encourage you, if you weren't here, or if you didn't hear it, to go back to our week one of this series. As Pastor Kirk told us about the word and our need to reset our attitudes towards it. We've been given the word to equip us for the good work. The question is, have we taken those steps? Do we give it priority? And even if it isn't at the top of our list, are you giving it a few minutes each day? That's where you start. It's a big book with lots of stuff in it, and many give up thinking that there's no way to know it all. I can't understand it, but you know what? If we treat it like an elephant, what, how they say that we're supposed to eat an elephant, one bite at a time. And that's how we start with God's Word. We learn it piece by piece, growing an understanding of it, and it, the years go by, and we know it more, and we understand better what God wants us to know and to do, and we're, it's so much easier to give an answer for the hope that we've given now than it was in those early days. Back in college, I was so excited. My senior year, we were closing in on graduation. I think it was at graduation itself. I, I won the Outstanding Biblical Studies Award. That sounds like a pretty amazing thing, right? Well, when you go into Central Baptist College, they make you take a test. In that test, you have the ability to skip out of Old Testament and New Testament survey. Then at the end, they make you take the same test. I believe that the reason I won that was probably most improved. And I will go to my grave thinking that. Because in those moments, I learned a lot. But now that 25 more years have passed, and I've spent time in God's Word taking little bites here and there, and growing and growing. That's what I want to encourage you to do, is to grow in your understanding of God's Word. And if it isn't a priority today, start by taking one of those first little bites and moving on with it. We start with the Word, but we don't end there. If we want to be ready with an answer for the hope that we have, we must be in community with other believers. 
Here at Calvary, that knowledge has grown through our Sunday school time and through our life groups. We have faithful men and faithful women that will be starting in the near future. And on Wednesdays, we have an adult Bible study, and we have a um, children's and students' Bible study time. Community around the Word brings clarity in our understanding and helps us avoid mistakes and errors. Now, while we cannot answer all the questions that our lost friends and family members, classmates and coworkers may have about the Bible and about faith, we can start by simply writing down some of the questions that we think we may have or that they may have and then work on finding the answer even before the conversation. It's a simple thing. What is going to be the objection? Well, I don't know about, did God really create the world in six days? Or, and on the seventh day he rested. Did God do that? And if you think that's going to be their question, then you investigate that question, you study that question. They may not even ask that at the end of the day. But it's important that we invest our time and energy in knowing God's word so that we can stand ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. If we want to reset our attitude toward our witness, we must be ready to give an answer for the hope that God has given us. And number four, as we look to reset our attitudes towards our witness, we need to share with gentleness and respect. We've already read verse 15 a couple of times now, but at the end it says, yet do it with gentleness and respect. I don't know about you, but occasionally our TV seems to find its way over to Home and Garden Television. Now we watch it through Discovery Plus if you're familiar with that app, but it's an opportunity for us to watch home improvement shows. And so Fixer to Fabulous, and I don't know all the names, you probably do. My wife does. Um, she enjoys those shows. But one of the things that I like seeing is Demo Day. On Demo Day, they come in with a sledgehammer, and you will watch these guys just whack away at walls and, and knock things out and knock big cabinets off the, the, the walls and all sorts of fun things. It's not a kind process. <laughs> it's very blunt. Now let me connect that to what we're looking at today. Our witness as we give an answer, should never be a sledgehammer that we carry around to bonk someone on the head with. It may destroy them on the inside because of what the Holy Spirit's doing, but it shouldn't be because of what we do. God calls us to speak with gentleness and respect in this process. Our witness is to be one of kindness and respect. And if you have any hope of reaching the youngest generations, you must learn their language and speak the truth and love to them. I know that many of the students that I've spoken with, not so much their students here, but out in the community and out in other places, they will immediately turn off the conversation if you say something the wrong way or if you say a phrase. And some things that we never thought were problematic now are very problematic in their minds because of the way we say them. So, we must learn their language and speak the truth in love. Does that mean changing our message? Never. It does mean that we navigate the difference in language that we grew up with to what they use now. Now, I've included up here on the, the screen uh, access.org. If you are a parent, if you are a 
teacher, if you are a grandparent, uh, you may want to sign up for something, what they call the Culture Translator. It's a weekly email that will send you three or four different topics that students are going through now or that are being talked about. Uh, most recently, um, there's something called hashtag trad wife, traditional wife. And so that T-R-A-D-W-I-F-E, um, and that they're using that phrase and talking about, okay, if I want to get married at a young age and have kids and be that traditional wife, that's kind of in opposition to a lot of attitudes and mindsets that are out there. Anyway, that's just one of many things that they've talked about. They usually look at the top of the list on Spotify, what has the most plays. <coughs> but this process helps you understand the language of the young people in our world, maybe even that are in your home. And so they have some podcasts that go along with it. That side is all free, and so I'd encourage you to check it out. It may help you in that process of learning to speak with kindness and gentleness and respect. 1 Corinthians 9, 22 through 23, the Bible says this, To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that all things I might save some, or by all means I might save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessing. This shows gentleness and respect. It shows love. We are never to change our message. That's the farthest thing that I'm trying to say here today. But we need to be able to speak our witness, give an answer in such a way that someone knows that they are loved. You see, all of this shows our need to share with gentleness and respect. The great commandment of Matthew 22, 36 through 40 talks about loving God and loving people. And if we claim to be a great commandment church, loving God and loving people should always be in our arsenal. My job and yours is to give an answer for the hope that I have in such a way that the lost can hear and that they can understand. The truth is, I don't have to worry about the results. We serve a powerful, mighty, sovereign God. He's the one who's responsible for the results. My responsibility is to be obedient to what God's Word is telling me. God's Word tells me here, be ready with an answer. Be ready to share about that hope, but I'm also to share that in gentleness and respect. The results are up to God. I'm simply to be obedient and to share in kindness and respect. Now, I went back and forth whether even to talk about this, so I'll make it very brief. There are a lot of uh, protesters that you see in front of places, Christian protesters, and I, there's a great problem with the way a lot of that is done, simply because of what we find here. Is it done with gentleness and respect? Is it done in love? And I don't think so. God calls us to do that. We are, if we are to reset our attitude towards our witness, we must be ready to share the answer that we have with gentleness and respect and let God be the one to bring about conviction. The fifth thing that we want to look at as, as we uh, get closer to the end today as we reset our attitudes towards our witness is this. We need to be willing to pay the price for doing good. Verses 16 and 17, the Bible says, Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. 
For it is better to suffer for doing good than it is than it should be God's will than for doing evil. It's important for us to understand that there will be a price for following Jesus Christ. Anytime we choose to do something, we count the cost. We determine if we have the time, the funds, the resources, etc., to pull it off. I think about this year's biggest concert event that has been listed. I think it'll, most of the concerts will happen year, the 2023 20, Taylor Swift concert. If you got tickets for that, you probably play, uh, paid an arm and a leg and then some. Um, and that's how it works. You have to determine, am I willing to pay that much money to sit in a bleachers that are up in a nosebleed section to hear somebody sing? That's always the case. We have to decide if we have the time, if we have the funds, if we have the resources to do whatever we want to do. We decide if we really want to do it or not. Do I really want to spend the time and money to see that artist in concert? Do I have the money to go to the game? Do I want to spend time with my family? We count those costs. Resetting our attitude towards our witness is the same. We have to decide, even from the beginning, if it's worth the time, energy, and effort. If we look in Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33, God calls us to count the cost. And Jesus addresses them and says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, then he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Then he goes on to talk about building and this idea of counting the cost. God calls us to count the cost as we decide if we're going to follow him. And it's the same with our witness. Are we willing to stand for Christ? Willing to give a good answer? Willing to give the right answer? When we're called upon to do it in a way with gentleness and respect and love and caring, are we willing to do the good even when there's going to be suffering involved? It's hard. It's difficult. We have to decide if, we're really, if it's really worth it to follow him and to be his witness. The truth is we may or probably will suffer for doing his good works and standing as his witness. That's the reality that we face in this world. Are we going to stand and give an answer for the hope that we have even when it causes us suffering? Are we ready to endure pain for his sake? And I want to say that I'm ready to give an answer for the hope that I have no matter the cost. But I must make that commitment now and allow God to work in me when my mortal man is saying, nope, I'm not going to do that. I'm too scared. I'm too worried. I fear the pain that might come with it. We need to be ready to pay the price and give an answer. Witnessing is not just going out and knocking on doors. It's much more than that. God has called us to be ready to give an answer for the hope that he has given us. That means that we need to be ready when the spiritual topics come up. Not so that you can be the most spiritual person in the room, but that you can lift high the name of Jesus and make him known to your lost and dying world. A reset on our witness comes when 
We become zealous for good works. When we allow God to conquer our fear, when we make ourselves ready to give an answer, when we commit to sharing with gentleness and kindness and are willing to pay the price of suffering that may come from doing what God has called us to do. I want us to be a people who are ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in Jesus. But the question is, are you ready? Can you answer why you follow God and make church a priority in your life? If not, put in the time. Work, learn, grow, and read. And when we do these things, God will be glorified and we will be a better representation of the witness that he needs in this world. God is calling us to reset our attitudes towards our witness. The question is, will we? Will we say, okay, I'm going to be ready. I may not knock on doors, but I can be ready to give an answer. I could say to my kids, this is why we go to church. I could say to my grand, uh, grandkids, well, this is why I love Jesus. And say to the neighbors, well, this is why church is a priority to us. Be ready with an answer. It comes through studying. It comes through knowing him more. It comes through the things that we talked about today. God is calling us to reset our witness and our attitudes towards a witness so that we can be constantly his witness in this lost world. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for the, the joy we have in our relationship with you. And I just ask that you help us. Help us to grow in understanding of your word and help us to be ready to give an answer so that our witness will be strong, that we'll have the right attitude towards you and towards your word and so that we'll be able to, to give an answer with gentleness and kindness and respect and love. Father, just help us. We can't do it on our own and we don't want to. Help us to lean on you today and in the days ahead. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Our heart's desire is that you grow and understand the direction God has for you in your life. We hope that by listening today, you are one step closer to discovering that for yourself. If you live in Northwest Arkansas and are looking for a church to call your own, we invite you to reach out to us at Calvary as we study and serve together. We meet for worship at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas. If you wish to find out more information about Calvary Church or simply contact us, you can do that through our Facebook page or at calvaryfayetteville.com. Until next time, remember that God, His Word, and His people can provide direction for life.